the city of Providencialis. Here is tonight's Nations Report with Zoya Fessler. It's Wednesday, March 8th, 2023, the middle of another week. Let's take a look at what's making headlines today. Today is International Women's Day. Mexican authorities find migrants abandoned in a truck. New discovery made in one of seven wonders of the ancient world. Fires once again taking lives in Bangladesh. We'll also take a look at the latest in the sporting world and your weather forecast. Join me for those stories and more. I'm Soya Fassler. Thank you all so much for tuning in to the Nation Station 89.1 FM. March 8th is considered to be International Women's Day. Happy Women's Day to all you beautiful ladies across the TCI. International Women's Day is a global day celebrating the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women. The day also makes a call to action for accelerating women's equality. International Women's Day has occurred for well over a century, with the first Women's Day gathering in 1911, supported by over a million people. Each year, International Women's Day seeks to celebrate women who have contributed to their country's nation-building. This year, the Department of Gender Affairs within the Ministry of Home Affairs once again joins the world in celebrating women who have devoted themselves to the advancement of digital innovation and technology in the TCI. We salute all women across the TCI who have made significant contributions in their various spheres of expertise. However, in keeping with this year's theme, we pay special attention to women and girls in the field of information technology. The theme, Women Forging Change Through Digital Innovation and Technology Towards Gender Equality and Sustainable Development, addresses the need to provide women and girls with the desired resources so they can have a greater reach in the world of digital innovation and technology. Despite their many achievements, women and girls remain underrepresented in that field. In observance of International Women's Day, the Department of Gender Affairs will be hosting several celebratory events across the TCI. Now, teaching is the profession that teaches all other professions. Education Week 2023 has begun. Traditionally, the Ministry of Education holds events to engage students and teachers, along with corporate stakeholders, while schools also hold individual events to commemorate the week. One of the highlight events was an education symposium on Monday night held under the theme Improving Teacher Retention in the 21st Century and Beyond Through Support and Development. This is quite an important topic as improving teacher retention serves to improve the education system as a whole. Teacher turnover is costly as new teachers must be recruited and trained. If fewer teachers were replaced, then instead of financing recruitment and training, schools and the education governing bodies could spend money on new programs or technology for students. Minister with Responsibility for Education, the Honorable Rachel Taylor, gave opening remarks at the symposium, emphasizing the importance of teacher retention. 
Teacher retention is one of the most challenging issues in education today, not only here in the Turks and Caicos Islands, but also across the world, resulting in countries struggling to identify strategies to improve teacher retention. Teachers play a crucial role in ensuring that our children have the skills and knowledge necessary to create a positive impact in our country and extension the world in this 21st century and beyond. Over the years, teachers may have become accustomed to the curriculum's pendulum swings, but the current state of affairs is unprecedented in many ways. Since 2020, we have observed the effects of COVID-19 on our educational system. Teachers were asked to forge relationships with students, with families and co-workers, while adjusting to unanticipated circumstances. They had to employ synchronous and asynchronous education and had to teach in innovative ways. Additionally, during the last year, we have seen teachers across the Caribbean leave the classroom for many reasons. It has become quite clear now, more than ever, that we need to prioritize supporting and providing professional development opportunities for our teachers in order to retain them in our education system. The keynote speaker for the address was Robert Hall, and the five panelists were Angela Musgrove, Lucille Wilson, Jazz Walken, Elisande Delancey, and Dr. Carlton Mills. Let's take a listen to some of their views and suggestions on the topic of teacher retention. According to statistics, there are just over 400 teachers in the community college, secondary education, and primary education. For all those retired teachers whose pensions are between $500 and $600 a month, please fix that yesterday. I cannot for the love of me understand how we could provide $1,000 a month in unemployment benefits, not indefinitely, for many alcoholics and drug addicts, while our retired teachers who help to mold and produce even the leaders we have today can hardly make ends meet with that meager $600 per month in pension. Fix that, I say. I just want to make reference to a document that Honorable Voice uh, initiated in 2006. She brought three men together, the late Reverend Conrad Howell, Reverend Bradley, and Gail and myself. And she said to us, she wanted us to put together an incentive package for teachers. It was done, but it didn't go any further until the PNP won the 2007 election and we had a new Minister of Education. And in March of 2007, he took a paper, that same paper, to Cabinet, incentive package for teachers. It was approved by Cabinet and it didn't go any further. The policy makers did not take it any further. 
I have a copy of it in my hand. Um, by now, we could, if we had worked on this document, um, improve on it. Of course, it can be improved, but we probably would have had a proper incentive package for our teachers. We, we also have to start, yes, we have to think about retention, but we have to think also about continuity. Continuity in the sense that we need to start recruiting locally. We need to start embarking on a serious local campaign to attract locals into this, the teacher education program, whether it's at the community college or wherever. Secondly, um, just recently, a commission in Texas looked at the same exercise that we are going through tonight, and they recommend um, a residency system. After you have recruited your teachers, those teachers who have graduated from the community college or wherever, instead of just dumping them into the classroom on their own, attach them, even while they are in training at the community college, attach them to uh, a senior teacher so that they can, by the time they finish the community college, they will already have had a, some, a, a number of years of experience after being associated or working along with a, a senior person in the school. And of course, I think in terms of scholarship, I would go overboard, Honorable Minister, and recommend that at least 60 or 70% of the funds that are allocated for scholarships be allocated for teacher training. We could put professions like the legal group, any person applying for law and some, some of the other areas on hold at the moment, let's make teacher education a top priority. One thing that I realized is that there are three uh, factors that really speaks to teacher retention. And those factors are individual factors, work factors, individual factors speaking to um, whether the teacher is burned out, whether the teacher is, is stressed, whether or not there are any personal issues that the teacher is going through, and if that would have impacted their ability to stay within the profession. And then you have those work-related issues, and those work-related issues would be those issues that speaks to whether or not um, the classrooms, the teacher is able to manage the class, whether or not the work is stressful for them, whether or not the environment is not conducive, whether or not the resources are not there. And then we have, um, at the ending, what I think is the most important factor in terms of teacher retention, and that is the social organizational structure within the school system. What is going on um, in our school system, whether or not the the structure there, whether or not the teachers are are satisfied, whether or not um, there are any stress in between the the environment, whether the environment is stressful for the teacher, or whether or not the teacher is able to be free and relax within that, that structure. And also looking at the leadership of the school, looking at whether or not the teacher has some kind of autonomy. So we have to catch them while they're in the classroom. And what I'm saying is, if we do a program, we, are, we do a work experience program at Kevin Howell, I don't know, not sure all the schools do it, where you send the students out a day 
okay, to at one um, institution, resorts, or whatever, to do a day's work until they, they get the experience. So what I'm saying, when, when these children are about to leave school for form, you can bring the program from fourth form. You can get these students, see if you can convince at least 20 or 50 students to the year, because we have how many graduating each year? Like 400, 300 graduating each year. We can try to see if we can get 100 of them into the classroom. And by doing that, why they, when they finish their CXCs, or even before they finish the CXCs, go into the class, into the classrooms. I did it before because with the, with the program, we sent students to some of the schools. And the teachers reported that, that you know, they benefit a lot from it. So it will increase their love for the profession. And, and it's something that is in your hand that you can control that, that the, 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 the ministry can do. And I wanted to start um, by picking up on something that Dr. Mills mentioned and um, as it related to retaining um, our local teachers. And one of the pet peeves of mine has always been the way um, our government manages our local versus our contract workers. We understand that we always want to need contract workers and we appreciate the service that they give to the economy. But I can guarantee that the fact that we have had such a mass, mass exodus from the service of contract workers and the fact that we've, we've, we've been unable to retain them or to attract them in the first place, there's going to be a sit down to see how we can improve the packages to get contract workers. So I would hope that when we sit down at those tables, that we will also look at how we can improve packages to retain local people. Because there's, there's going to be improved packages, increased, whether it's remuneration and benefits, whatever it is, to get contract workers to come and sign on to come to Turks and Caicos. We need to do the same thing to ensure that local people get the same privileges and benefits that are afforded. So Dr. Mills, I completely agree with you there. We can't continue. You have you know, contract workers come in the system, they get housing, they get telephone, they get what else, island allowance, and everything else. So when they leave a system, they're able to afford a home and afford a house. And if they come off a contract, they're able to buy a house. But the local teacher can't even pay a mortgage, as you see these when they finish with teaching for 20 or 30 or years. Yeah, so we really need to start there. We need to look at the, the um, the Teachers are said to be the most underpaid but do such an enormous job. We need to ensure that we are compensating our educators properly to build a healthy and stable student body. If you missed the live production of that event, you can re-watch it on the Turks and Caicos Islands government's Facebook page. That brings us to the end of our local news segment. Regional News is up next. take a look at what's going on with our neighbors. Supporters of Jamaica's People's National Party on Monday protested against the Prime Minister Andrew Holness's administration for the postponement of the local government elections. Last month, the government put off the local polls for a fourth time, this giving allowance for local government elections to be held no later than February 28, 2024. 
Last month, leader of government business, Senator Kamina Johnson-Smith, stated that one reason for the postponement was the government's focus on post-COVID-19 economic recovery, which matched against the cost of holding the elections. She said that the government remains focused on recovery and building resilience in the interests of the Jamaican people. Also, with the establishment of Portmore as Jamaica's 15th parish, the postponement will allow time for the vexed issue of the arrangements regarding the attendance of Portmore's councillors at meetings of the St. Catherine Municipal Corporation to be addressed. Local government elections, which should be held every four years, last took place in November 2016. Now, Mexican authorities have found 343 migrants, including 103 unaccompanied minors, in an abandoned freight truck container on the side of a highway. The National Immigration Institute said the trailer was found Sunday night in the Gulf Coast state of Veracruz. It was on a route often used by smugglers to bring people from southeastern Mexico to the U.S. border. The migrants were said to be in good condition, and it was unclear why the driver fled, leaving the scene and vehicle unattended. Migrants have been found dead inside abandoned freight containers in the past, but the migrants found on Sunday were unharmed and the conditions in the container illustrate the increasing sophistication of migrant smugglers. The trailer had fans and ventilation ports cut in the roof and the migrants were color-coded bracelets, apparently to identify them as smugglers' clients. Most of the unaccompanied minors were from Guatemala. Migrants who make it to the United States frequently pay smugglers to bring their children afterwards. The Institute said the adult migrants were mainly from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and Ecuador. That wraps up the happenings around the region. International News is up next. So let's take a look at what's going on around the world. An explosion in a seven-story commercial building in Bangladesh's capital of Dhaka on Tuesday killed at least 17 people and injured dozens. The building contained several stores selling plumbing products and household items, and its first two floors were severely damaged. It was not immediately clear what caused the explosion, but some reports say the explosion happened from accumulated gas. At least 11 fire department teams were working at the scene of the explosion. A police official at the state-run Dhaka Medical College Hospital said more than 50 people were taken there for treatment and at least 14 of them were dead. Local media reported at least 100 people being injured in the blast. The United News of Bangladesh reported that people on the upper floors were trapped for hours after the explosion. Assistance from the military forces in search and rescue began early this morning. Bangladesh has had a history of fires and industrial disasters, including factory fires, catching fire with workers trapped inside. A massive fire just on Sunday at a packed refugee camp for Rohingya Muslims in southern Bangladesh left thousands homeless. No casualties were reported at Bulukali camp in 2012. About 117 workers died when they were trapped behind locked exits in a garment factory. 
The country's worst industrial disaster occurred the following year when the Rana Plaza garment factory outside of Dhaka collapsed, killing more than 1,100 people. And now a hidden corridor 9 meters or 30 feet long has been discovered close to the main entrance of the 4,500-year-old Great Pyramid of Giza, and this could lead to further findings. The discovery within the pyramid, the last of the seven wonders of the ancient world still standing, was made under the Scan Pyramids project that since 2015 has been using non-invasive technology, including infrared thermography, 3D simulations, and cosmic ray imaging to peer inside the structure. An article published in the journal Nature on Thursday said the discovery could contribute to knowledge about the construction of the pyramid and the purpose of a gabled limestone structure that sits in front of that corridor. The Great Pyramid was constructed as a monumental tomb around 2560 BC during the reign of the pharaoh Khufu, or Sheops. Built to a height of 146 meters or 479 feet, it now stands at 139 meters and was the tallest structure made by humans until the Eiffel Tower in Paris in 1889. The unfinished corridor was likely created to redistribute the pyramid's weight around either the main entrance now used by tourists almost 7 meters away or around another as yet undiscovered chamber or space. Five rooms atop the king's burial chamber in another part of the pyramid are also thought to have been built to redistribute the weight of the massive structure. It was possible the pharaoh had more than one burial chamber. Scientists detected the corridor through cosmic ray muon radiography before retrieving images of it by feeding a 6mm thick endoscope from Japan through a tiny joint in the pyramid stones. In 2017, Scan Pyramids researchers announced the discovery of a void at least 30 meters long inside the Great Pyramid, that being the first major inner structure found since the 19th century. That's it for International News. Sports is up next. Take a look at what's going on in the sporting world. Donovan Mitchell scored 40 points and Lamar Stevens fueled Cleveland's fourth quarter comeback with his hustle, leading the Cavs to a 118-114 win on Monday night over the Boston Celtics, who lost their second overtime game in less than 24 hours. Evan Mobley added 25 points and 16 rebounds for the Cavs, who improved to 7-0 in overtime while averaging a loss in Boston five days ago. Jalen Brown scored 32 points and Malcolm Brogdon 24 for the Celtics, who didn't arrive at their hotel in Cleveland until 2.30 a.m. after losing to the New York Knicks in double overtime on Sunday. The Celtics, who were without their All-Star Game MVP Jason Tatum, blew a 14-point lead in the fourth and had a chance to win it in regulation. 
Joel Embiid scored 42 points, James Harden added 14 points, 20 assists and 9 rebounds as the Philadelphia 76ers pulled away late for a victory over the Indiana Pacers in an entertaining game virtually devoid of defense. Embiid made 11 of 16 field goals and all 19 free throw attempts. Tyrese Maxey scored 24 points and Jalen McDaniels added 20 for the 76ers who have won two straight. Tyrese Halliburton led the Pacers with 40 points and 16 assists in just their second home game since February 16th. Jordan Awara finished with 16 points. Five other players reached double figures in Indiana's second game in two nights. Jimmy Butler had 26 points. Victor Oladipo and Caleb Martin combined to score 43 off the bench and Miami Heat held off the Atlanta Hawks 130-128. to Butler also had 9 rebounds and 9 assists for Miami, which swept a two-game set from the Hawks. Bam Adebayo scored 16 points, Duncan Robinson had 14, Tyler Hero finished with 13, and the Heat set a season high with 59 bench points. Trey Young scored 25 for Atlanta, which got 23 from DeJounte Murray and 17 apiece from Sadiq Bey and John Collins. That brings us to the end of sports, but before we go, let's take a look at our weather forecast. Mostly sunny skies later in the evening, partly cloudy with scattered showers. A 40% chance of rain is expected. Winds are from the northwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Humidity levels are at 76%. That completes our weather forecast and today's newscast. Recapping the news for today, today is International Women's Day. Mexican authorities find migrants abandoned in a truck. New discovery made in one of seven wonders of the ancient world. Fires once again taking lives in Bangladesh. Turks and Gagas, it's been a pleasure once again bringing you the news of the day. Thank you all so much for joining me here on RTC 89.1 FM. If you'd like to read more stories or if you missed today's presentation, you can always visit our website at www.rtc89fm.com. Have a good evening, Turks and Caicos. I am Swaya Fassler. Join us again tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. for another edition of The Nation's Report.